Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. All right, here we go. Let's read together. Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Everybody say very clear. clear. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, let's go together, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, adultery, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to stop right there before you go to the next verse. Go back one more time. I want to call this out because I'm not going to hit it real hard, but this last part Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is that open to interpretation for anyone? Anybody need the Greek for that? Okay, we're good. Let's go. Next verse. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of your lives everybody say oh that's good That's real good. Tonight I want to talk to you about the conflict. The conflict. It's a conflict that's been waging since the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve first consumed the forbidden fruit, the fruit from the tree that God told them not to. From that moment forward, this nature of sin was introduced into the human race and there became a conflict that is waged throughout the eons of time and will continue to be waged until you and I receive our glorified bodies at the resurrection of the saints and the rapture of the church. Everybody say, can't wait. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight, God, gathered together with brothers and sisters that are of like precious faith. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word and the preeminence that it has. God, I pray that I would speak not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. God, let me... Do a job, Lord, that would communicate your heart to your servants. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. You can be seated. So tonight we're talking on the topic of the conflict. And 
And as I said before we began to pray, this is a conflict that has been waging since the beginning of time. This is a conflict that will continue to wage well after you and I are off the face of this people planet, should the Lord tarry. It will wage up until the point where Gabriel sounds that trumpet, the dead in Christ rise first, and we which remain are caught up to meet him in the air. The reality is this. You cannot choose to dismiss from the conflict. You cannot choose to uh, abstain from the war. In fact, your abstinence from this war um, tells you what side of this war you are on because the war that's being fought is a war between the sin and the flesh. And the territory that's being fought over is for the eternal territory of your heart. Everybody say, my heart. Look to your neighbor, say, your heart. Look to your other neighbor, say, he's talking about your soul, your eternity. Your spirit, amen. This is the territory that heaven and hell are fighting over. This is the conflict of life versus death. This is the conflict of good and evil. This is the conflict of flesh and the spirit. In fact, the outcome, there are two generals fighting on each side of this conflict, two armies, if you were. It is the army of life, and it is the army of death. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For those that walk after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh. But those that walk after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Come on, somebody get with me tonight. So to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life in peace in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is a war being waged and the outcome will lead to one of two places, it is going to lead to either life or it's going to lead to death in your life. Amen. And the army that gets supplied, the army that gets reinforcements, the army or the side of this battle that gets uh, the support of your time and your resources and your energy is the side of the battle that will win and the side of the battle that will ultimately reign supreme. You see, you don't get a choice in this. In the Bible, Paul, as he's writing here to the church of Galatia, he is being very clear and articulating to them. He's saying, listen, there are things in your life that you can choose. There are spiritual things in your life. They're called the deeds of the flesh. Or there are natural or, or spiritual things, in, natural things in your life called the deeds of the flesh or spiritual things in your life called the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you not, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can you put that very first verse up there from the New Living Translation for me again? Because I want to call out what it says here. It says, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, so then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. If you evaluate your life, young person, listen to me now. If you evaluate your life and you find yourself doing those things which are contrary to the word of God, if you find yourself operating outside of the boundaries of what scripture tells you, that is because you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to guide your life. Don't think for one second the devil made you do it. Don't think for one second you did it because your friends made you do it. You did it because you have allowed the spirit of God to reign supreme in your life lead God and direct you you don't have a sin problem you have a word problem amen you don't have a sin problem you have a word problem maybe a third time's charm I said you don't have a sin problem you have a word problem and if you spend your entire life trying to line the word up with your life you will dumb down and adulterate the word of God to something God never intended for that word to be God said it's black and white it's straight lace it's to the core that is how God 
said to live it. And when you operate outside the boundaries of what the word of God says, you are not allowing your life to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. So that is why you will be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your flesh, everybody say my flesh, given the opportunity, will do that which is contrary to the word of God. That's true. If you give your flesh any ounce of freedom, if you give your flesh any ounce of runway, it will do that which is contrary to the word of God. And so, so many believers all the time, I know how it sounds because I was a teenager once. I know the tricks and the lies the devil perpetrates in our minds to get us to do things that are contrary to the word of God. And everybody, I know you all get on me and you say, man, he always preaches it so hard and he's always talking about sin and, 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 and righteousness living yeah I mean pretty much because you know this thing's about eternity and this thing's about heaven and you're going to spend eternity of one or two places and if you go to hell it won't be because of what happened on my watch I guarantee you that so I'm going to preach the word of God just as straight and just as honest as I can to you if you are operating outside of the word of God then you are guilty of something called sin it's as simple as that. And if you say, well, I don't know what's in the word of God, so therefore I get to claim ignorance. Well, that's why you're here at church tonight. I'm preaching to you anyway. Amen. The word of God is available to you, and there are things that we do in our life that are contrary to the word of God. But listen, the word of God tells us that we are to, we are to consume the word of God, that we are have the word of God as preeminence in our life, the central authority of our life. And so if you walk your entire life going around, the only words you get from Wednesday night when the pastor preaches or Sunday night when the pastor preaches, friend, you are not consuming enough of the word of God to know how to operate in your life. Now, my wife and I are building a house right now. It feels like it's never going to get done, but it's happening, okay? And for the last several years, we've been waiting to build this house. In the process of getting ready to build this house, wasn't we were sitting idly by we had conversations about our desires and the things we wanted with our house. We prayed about it. We met with architects. And we ultimately built this thing called a blueprint. Isn't that right, boys? We built this thing called a blueprint, right? We built a blueprint. And when we printed that blueprint out, we took that blueprint to, the, uh, well, we took that blueprint to our builder. And we went to our builder. We said, hey, builder, we want to build this house, all right? And so now they're building this house to the specific specifications of the blueprint that we have. That blueprint tells me exactly where the outlet's supposed to go. I mean, this blueprint tells me exactly where the bushes in the front yard are supposed to go. This blueprint tells me where every part of that house are, is supposed to go. Amen. That blueprint is a guide to anybody who comes on my property that's going to do work on behalf of my builder, that if I'm going to put up a board, the board goes here. If I'm going to hang a window, the window goes here. If I'm going to put a door, the doorknob goes on this side of the door, not that side of the door. It swings this way, not that way. I'm going to put a shelf here. I'm going to put stairs there. I'm going to put another window here. Everything that is going on in that house is directed by the blueprints. And if a builder or a contractor comes on my property and doesn't do something according to the blueprint, all project stops and they have to go back and fix that thing that is not built to specification. Because if they put that window in the wrong place, that's going to push that stud this way and that wall this way. And next thing you know, the kitchen's going to look all crazy and all messed up because somebody didn't follow the blueprint. Can I tell you, your life is the same way. God gave you a blueprint. He told you how you're supposed to live your life as a married person. He told you how you're supposed to live your life as a single person. And if you're living your life as a single person like a married person is supposed to behave, then friend, you are outside of the word of God. If I need to further elaborate, I can. I'm talking about sex outside of marriage. I'm talking about things you're not supposed to do outside of the covenant of marriage. I'm talking about things that are not pleasing to the Lord outside of the covenant of marriage. Friend, you are outside 
outside of the blueprint of the word of God. Amen. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is edifying to the saints of God. If you are all the time running around backbiting, gossiping, lacerating, tearing people down, talking about people, and just running people's name in the ground, friend, you are outside of the blueprint of the way God said a Christian ought to operate. And you are building your life, and you are building your life in such a way that when the winds come, and friend, they will come. And when the storms come, and friend, the storms will come, you'll realize that your life was not built on the foundation of the word of God, but it was built on feelings. It was built on where you wanted to put the window. I think I'll, I like it better there. It was built based off of where you wanted the drain. But now your bathroom's flooded. You don't understand why there's a mess. There's a blueprint God said that we have to follow in our lives. It's called being led by the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. There are reinforcements we can give to this army. There are reinforcements we can give to make sure that the spiritual nature of Christ Jesus rules and reigns supreme in our life. You could do things like reinforce that army by praying. Let me ask a rhetorical question. The rhetorical question is a question that doesn't need answer. When was the last time you prayed outside of when the youth pastor said, open up your mouth and pray? It's a really good question. When was the last time on your own accord, when no one was there to pat your back and say, gee, Jonah, you're just a great young man. When was the last time you made up your mind and said, come hell or high water, no friend is going to stop me, no boy is going to stop me, no girl's going to stop me, no sports program's going to stop me, nobody's going to stop me from getting down on my hot holy knees and praying out to an almighty God because that's important and i got to reinforce the spirit. If you can't answer the question, when was the last time you really got a hold of God, friend, there's a problem. You're going to guess what I'm talking about next. One way you could reinforce the Spirit to ensure the Spirit rules is by reading your Bible. And if it feels like I say this about once a month, it's because I say this about once a month. If you don't know where your Bible is, that's a problem. If you're an American Christian and you don't know where your Bible is, that's an even bigger problem because you've got 15 of them. Right? If you, when you go to read your Bible, you got to re-download that thing from the cloud because it's been so long since the last time you opened up that app, friend. I'm not sure you're going to heaven. Oh, did you just judge me? Yeah, I did. Totally did. Is that okay? It absolutely is okay because the Bible says you judge them by their fruits. And there's no way you're going to live a righteous, sanctified life before God, lining your life up to the Word of God, not knowing what the Word of God says. Listen, if... There, you could be the best builder in the world. If you go out to my property without a blueprint and try to build, I don't care how skilled you are. You're not going to build that thing according to the way that I desire for it to be built. Therefore, it's not right. I don't care how skilled you think you are. I don't care how much of a, of a, of a privilege and an honor you think God has in you serving him. Oh, look at the skill I have. Look at the talent and ability I have. None of that matters if your life is operating outside of the will of God. Enough. I have seen too many 
preachers get up and thinking they're above the word of God and living whatever they want and because they think, well, God should be lucky to have my influence. Let me tell you a story about a young man with some influence. Let me tell you about a story in the Bible about some, a young man with some money. There was the, the Bible says there's this man, and by, in fact, the Bible describes him by his wealth and his age. He was rich and he was young and he was a ruler. I mean, imagine being described by those three things, rich, young, ruler. I mean, imagine being the pastor and Mr. Rich Young Ruler walks into your church. I mean, this is what happened to Jesus. Rich Young Ruler walked into Jesus' church one day and said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, sell it all. Give it up. Follow me. The Bible says this young man walked away grievous with his wealth, with his vitality, and with his influence. Took it with him. Here we are thinking that God wants our skill. That God wants our ability. That we're doing God a favor because we're here tonight. That we're doing God a favor because we picked up our Bible and we read. Or we're doing God a favor because we mustered up enough courage to go to prayer meeting or witness and evangelize to somebody. Friend, God doesn't want you. He doesn't want anything you got other than your heart. That's all he ever wanted was your heart. Bible says he let that man run. He let that man walk away. And you would have thought Jesus would have wrung his hands and said, man, what a missed opportunity. This man had wealth. He was young and had energy. He would have been a hard worker for the kingdom. I mean, imagine having this guy as one of your disciples. No more problems. you got to feed the 5,000. Hey, rich young ruler, can you go get us some food for this? No, no, no. The Bible says Jesus let him go. If it was a devil that was keeping that young man from serving God, we saw all throughout Scripture Jesus rebuking devils. I mean, he cast a legion out of people, out of one man and threw him into a pig. Thousands of devils. It wasn't a matter of a devil because that would have been an easy problem for Jesus to fix. He had to rebuke the devil. I mean, he rebuked death. He opened up blinded eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He cast out devils. That would have been cakewalk, so to speak, for Jesus. But Jesus let him go. Why? Because not even Jesus is going to overcome your pride and your inability to acknowledge that there's nothing you have that he needs. The Bible says he walked away and Jesus let him go. Amen. The Bible talks about some of these deeds of the flesh and this conflict that's waging between our lives. And we read some of them. If we could put those deeds of the flesh up there. That's good, right here. When you, do, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So we're going to compare two groups of deeds or fruits, if you will. And again, rhetorical question. I might get happy here in a minute. But I want you to read these and evaluate them in your life. We're not going to dissect them one by one, but sexual immorality. We spend a fair amount of time talking about that. Impurity, having lustful thoughts, lustful pleasures. Let's go to the next one. Idolatry. If there's anything in your life that takes preeminence over God and his name, that's an idol. Let me break it up. Let me make it even more simple. If you are on Snapchat more than you are serving, worshiping God, Snapchat is your idol Period. If you are on social media, and that social media gives, gets more of your time. I know this stings, y'all. Please don't be mad at me. Just don't be mad at me. I know it stings, but you need to hear it. If you spend more time watching OBX, come on, yeah, he knows about OBX. Come on, how many of y'all binge watch the series now? Don't lie. Come on, how many of y'all spent an entire five hours watching season, help me out here. Three. I just called you out. Just not. I called you all out because I know y'all watch it, but y'all, that stuff is garbage. 
Just saying. Garbage. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you spend more time binge watching Netflix, watching social media, than you do in your prayer closet and on the word of God, friend, you have an idol. I know that's not popular, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't have to be popular to be truthful. In fact, everything Jesus said was extremely unpopular, but it was the truth. Everything Jesus said was unpopular. It was the truth. I know this is not a popular thing to do, but friend, I'm not trying to appease to your fleshly intellect. I'm trying to call out that spiritual man that's going to live on for eternity because that phone's going to burn. That Facebook account's going to go down in flames. None of it's going to survive. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but God said it is my word that will remain. Now, am I against social media? No. Am I against you having social media? No. Am I against you watching Netflix? It depends on what you're watching but the reality is this if that thing has you then yes I'm against that sorcery that's the Greek word pharmakia pharmacy drugs oh yeah we're gonna hit drugs right now come on you think that I don't know I mean first of all you all are crazy you tell everybody everything okay and if you don't tell everybody how many of y'all got that one friend you tell everything to I mean even if even if, even if, you're gonna be my, you're gonna be my one friend. Come here. You're gonna be my one. You're gonna be my one friend. Okay, my one friend. Bro, I gotta tell you something right now. Okay, I got this stuff. It's y'all have to excuse how really dumb this is gonna sound because I don't know the foggiest thing about drugs, so it's gonna be as comical as it is illustrative. So I got this stuff, dude. You smoke it and it makes you feel good. Okay, so, like, I'm going to give you some, but, bro, we can't tell anybody. Oh, you won't tell anybody? No, nobody. You're you going to not tell me. No. Like, you're my guy, man. You're not going to tell anybody? Okay. All right, so we're going to smoke it up. Okay. And guess what he's going to go do? I'm not his one person. He's my one person, but I'm not his one person. Isaac's his one person. He's going to go up to Isaac and be like, bro, come on, tell him. That's how it works. Like, bro, you won't believe what Tad and I did the other night. He gave me the stuff. We smoked it. We felt so good. But don't tell anybody. Just the three of us, our little secret. Okay, we won't tell anybody. And the ice is like, bro, guess what? What's your name? Seth. Seth. Seth, you're not going to believe what happened on Friday night. Tad, and next thing you know, bro. And then everybody's taking Snapchat pictures and posting out. Listen, y'all got that one person you trust, and you say, "Don't tell it." So I, I already know. I don't know. I, that was just an illustrative example to give you, to let you know that I know because you told that one person you said wouldn't tell anybody else, but they told somebody else, and then they told somebody else, and then they told somebody else. Now the whole youth group knows what you did on Friday, and don't be mad because they're talking about it. See, back when I was a kid. Back when Becca and I were kids, Ashley, you could resonate. Back when Ashley and I were young people, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we had enough sense not to tell anybody. I mean, right? I'm just saying, I didn't do any of that stuff. Bless God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not any righteous. I'm, hey, listen, I'm a sinner like the rest of you. But well, thank God I didn't do any of that mess. But anyway, my point being is, y'all just run around. To, it's the day of social media. It's the day of oversharing. But everybody knows. So sorcery, back to pharmacia, drugs, right? You all think, no. But listen, I know there's a problem. I know there's a problem. And listen, and I know who. So I'm going to look at the ground right now. Because this isn't being revealed to me by the Spirit. This is being revealed to me by Snapchat. 
okay? This isn't revealed to me by the Spirit. It's revealed by that person that you trusted. But, but, but I know that some of you are, 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 are smoking weed. I know. Like, I recognize that. And I want you to read the screen right up here. It says sorcery. Everybody say drugs. Okay? Can you go to the next verse? Actually, I think it's verse 22. We'll get back to it. Don't worry about it. There's a, there's a verse that says those who do these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. Y'all, that's deep. I know. But if listen, if you haven't got enough sense to put the weed away, you don't have enough sense to flush the pills down the drain, you don't have enough sense to put that mess up, and if you got a problem, come talk to me. You can trust me. I really mean that. You can trust me. I won't tell anybody. I'll take it to the good Lord Jesus Christ, and that is it. I promise. But come talk to your youth pastor. Don't think you got to do that thing because you're getting pressure to do it. I know the pressures you get. I know the, the weight and the heaviness of, of wanting to blend in. But I bless God, I tell you right now, you think that early church turned the world upside down by blending in with Rome? Do you think that early church turned the world upside down by blending in with the Greeks and acting like the Romans and doing everything that those ungodly heathens did? No, they realized that they're going to turn the world upside down. They need to stand up, stand out, and dare to be different and flush it and get rid of it. Bless God, that's how they turned the world upside down. But we got too many Christians blending in with the world. We don't want to rock the boat, so we're going to have sex before marriage. We don't want to tell them no, so I'll just smoke it this one time. That's how it works. That's how it works, the one time. The one time. We go back to the, anyway, y'all, y'all know what these things are. Wild parties. Core, oh, God, don't help me now, Jesus. Wild parties, idolatry, so hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Come on, if you are all the time comparing what you got to what they got, and you get mad at what they got and mad at what you don't have, friend, you are jealous. You know what? Dean Brock. Anybody know Dean Brock? Dean Brock's a good soul. He's a good man. He's a good man. One day we were driving down the road. He saw this big pile of firewood. I was a young man looking up to Brother Dean. We're driving down the road. He looks over at that pile of firewood. He goes, oh, God, give me a pile of wood just like so I can give that brother two more. And I looked at him like, why did he say it like that? He goes, I don't want to be coveting. I don't want to be jealous. What anybody? He goes, I just want a pile of wood, but I don't care if he gets two more just like it. That's the truth. If you're all the time comparing what you got to what they got and you get mad at what they got because you don't have what they got, friend, you're jealous. Be satisfied and content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You will gain so much in your life not keeping up with the Joneses. Because here's the reality. One day you're going to get a little older and the Joneses are going to have a big house and cars and all this other thing. And you're going to keep up with the Joneses, but you don't realize they're about to file Chapter 7 bankruptcy because they're in debt up to their eyeballs. And it's impossible to keep up with them anyway. Come on, quit trying to keep up with Come on, somebody. Jealousy, outburst of anger. Do I need to help anybody with this one? I think I do. Outburst of anger. Outburst of anger. Listen, if you you get fitfully rageful and you just get mad over something somebody tells you, can I talk to some athletes for a minute? I don't need to. I just right there, all I had to do was say athletes and every ball player in the room was like, okay, he got me. Right? I know the truth. Outburst of anger. That's not the will of God for you to be angry. That's not the will of God for you just to fly off the handle and curse somebody out and get mad and angry at them. That's not the will of God. Outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions. We're going to move on. Then it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit are these. First of all, fruit grows on a branch. Fruit grows on a branch. We all agree? 
Now, once a year, we have to go, well, those of us who own homes or property, once a year we go through this process, typically after the rainy, stormy season. When we walk the perimeter of our property, we're picking up all the branches that have broken off the trees. Because there's a recognition that those branches are worthless. They have disconnected themselves from the main trunk, and therefore they will never produce the thing that they were intended to produce. They'll never have the foliage they were supposed to have. They'll never have the flowers they were meant to have. They'll never bear the fruit they were meant to bear. And because there was a decision or a storm that came and they were disconnected from that vine, they'll never bear fruit. Listen, I understand the winds of life blow and assail us without warning at times. I understand sometimes they could snap a limb off, snap a thing off, snap some things off. But listen, if you make a conscious decision in your life to separate from the will of God, from the vine, Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Every branch in me that bears, every branch that's connected to me is going to bear forth fruit. Every branch in me is going to bear fruit. And any branch that bears fruit, he's going to do something called pruning. Everybody say pruning. Okay. And I've said it before. Pruning means to cut away the extra. That's literally what it means in the Greek. It means to cut away the extra. Is this helping anybody tonight? I mean, I, well, I could, but I don't want to. Listen, there are some things in your life that are just extra. There are some things in your life that are just extra. And God may ask you to evaluate those things in your life and say those things have to be cut off. They've got to be cut out. Because they're there and they'll never produce fruit. You know there are some friendships that you're in right now that if you are honest with it, it'll never produce fruit. You can spend the next two, three, four years of your life trying to make that thing fruitful. When God says it's got to be cut out, it'll never bear fruit. There's some places you go that'll never bear fruit. And it needs to be cut out. That word prune means to cut away the excess. There's also something called sucker shoots. Anybody know what a sucker shoot is? Sucker shoot is a, is a, is a branch that is bearing fruit. And from that branch grows another smaller branch. And that branch will never bear fruit either. But it only exists to suck the life and vitality away from the branch that's bearing fruit. To, to, to cause that fruit to go rotten before it reaches maturity. There are some things in your life that are not bad. They're just sucking the life out of you. Come on, if you leave a conversation with a certain group of friends and all you ever did was bash people and talk, they are sucker branches. They are sucking the life straight out of you. And you want to why you want to know why you have no love? You want to know why you have joy, no joy, no peace? You want to know why you're meaner than a rattlesnake? It's because you're surrounding yourself with things that suck the life out of you. Amen. I want to talk about Romans chapter 11 real quick, and I'm, I gotta wrap this up. Romans chapter 11. I was reading this the other day and I love it. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, if you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them a partaker of the root and its fatness of the olive tree, do not boast again as a branch, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but it's the root that supports you. Some of you don't even know what that means, and I'm going to explain. That's okay. We are the branches. Everybody say, that's me. My job's to bear fruit. The Bible says we have been adopted or grafted into the vine. Jesus is the vine. 
We are the branches. We are the wild olive tree that I just read about. That's a tree growing out in the wilderness that will never really produce any fruit because it's got all sorts of growth and no one's pruning it and it's just growing wild and crazy, doing whatever it wants, going wherever it wants, watching whatever it wants, saying whatever it wants, behaving however it wants, having whatever type of attitude it wants. But the Bible talks about how there's an opportunity to take that wild olive tree and cut it from the rootstock that it's in right now, recognizing where it's planted, how it's planted, will never produce fruit. But if you cut that wild olive tree, off and you graft it into the rootstock that is the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll begin to produce fruit. Now it would be one amazing thing for that wild olive tree to all of a sudden start bearing fruit, but if that wild olive tree starts ba- uh, starts bragging and boasting about how good it is and how fruitful it is, don't understand this one thing. That wild olive tree would have never produced any fruit unless it was first grafted into the root. So it's not the branch that supports the root, but rather it's the root that supports the branch. Everything you need is in the vine. Everything you need is in Jesus. Jesus Christ. All you need to do is stay connected to the vine. Everything you need. Everybody say, my wife is in the vine. Come on, boys, say it. Say it. Come on, say it with some confidence, young man. Say, my woman is in the vine. Come on. Ladies, you're going to love it. Say, my hunk of man, he is in the vine. Come on. You can say it. It's okay. We're, We're in church. Just say, my man is in the vine. Come on, my kids, and you don't have them yet, and it's going to be a long time, bless God, before you do. My kids are in the vine. Oh, your career, it's in the vine. Just stay connected to the vine. Your job is in the vine. Stay connected to the vine. Your your income is in the vine. Your salary is in the vine. Your health is in the vine. Your vitality is in the vine. Your joy is in the vine. Your peace is in the vine. Your kindness is in the vine just stay connected to the vine let's all stand to our feet tonight the conflict that's raging on is between the spirit and the flesh and the side that will win the side that will win is the side that you reinforce listen you don't need to read the art of war to know that The side that has the most resources, the biggest planes, the fastest bullets, the most dangerous armaments, the best strategy, it's the side that wins. The side that gets the most reinforcement. The most reinforcement. What do I mean by reinforcement? Let's talk about your entertainment for a second. What side, what army is getting reinforced by what you're watching? These are real practical things. Because I know I'm hard on y'all. But listen, that, you think that devil's playing play dates and patty cake with you? You, th- you think for one minute that 75% of the shows that you have available to you as teenagers involve witchcraft, sorcery, witches, and dragons, and dungeons, and demons, and devils, and fornication, and beach parties, and... Come on now. You think that's, you, you don't think one second that's not a strategy of the enemy, a strategy of the flesh to try to get you so wrapped up, tied up, consumed up. It's reinforcement. Every show you watch, every song you listen to, reinforcement. Try this one on for size. If you know more, what's a good country artist? Morgan Wallen. Oh, dear Jesus. I hit a vein. I hit a vein. Oh, God. I'm going to close my eyes and look at the ground. 
If you know more Morgan Wallen songs than you know scripture. I said it. If you know the title of more Morgan Wallen songs than you know verses of the Bible, I could tell you who you're reinforcing. I'll tell you who's going to win that battle. And remember, this isn't just some redo. This isn't some mulligan in life. This isn't something you get to try again later. Life and death. Remember, Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8. For those that fulfill the lust of the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. To be carnally minded is death. What is death? It is separation from God. Not for the weekend. It's not a grounding. It's an eternity. Separation from God. The side that you reinforce. Listen, if you have a life inside this word, if you have a life inside prayer, Listen, some of y'all might think that I walk around with a mock on or something, like I'm some like saint. Listen, I'm not. Bro, just ask my wife. Pull her to the side. She will tell you all my flaws. All of them. I am not a perfect man. So I don't want to stand up here with some self-righteous attitude telling you that, oh, you, you have to live some impossible life. What I'm trying to tell you, if you make a conscious decision in your life to line your life up with this and to have a consistent dedicated time in your life to pray and seek the Lord it's kind of like this a few years ago you may not believe it I lost 60 pounds listen y'all first time I worked out I thought I was going to die like, I did CrossFit I was telling Caleb the story before church the first time I worked out I did CrossFit y'all and this guy's like big MMA fighter dude he was like dude I'm going to work you out and I was like okay and I did this CrossFit workout Y'all, I took a nap on the couch in the lobby for 20 minutes after the workout. Okay? I woke up and I was like, oh God. I waddled to my car and called my wife to come get me. She's like, you're being dumb. Come home. All the way home, did I not have to pull over on Walton Nicholson Road? Right there where Delmar Dairy is. The little gravel lot where the little electric pole is. I had to pull over. Took a 40-minute nap in my truck. I was so beat. I walked in the door. We live down on Senior Road. I walked, looked at the couch, fell over the couch, and there I woke up 12 hours later, face down on the couch. Dude, worked me out. But four months later, four months later, I had lost all that weight. I had built that muscle memory. It was hard at first. It was hard not drinking the Coke. It was hard not going to Taco Bell, Caleb, after church. It was hard. It was hard not having a Chipotle burrito the size of my head every day. It was hard. But I did it. A consistent routine of the same diet. Went to the gym. Drank the celery juice. Did all of the things. You know, by the time that thing was said and done, I looked good, felt good, better than I ever felt in my life. And I didn't miss anything that I'd left behind. In fact, my entire appetite had changed. The first time I had Coke, after I kicked that Coke for three months, it burnt like the dickens going down my throat. It was terrible. I didn't want it. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you'll take what I'm saying serious, and you'll dedicate some time, energy, and resources to spiritual things, 
It's not going to be two, three, four months. In fact, the Bible says he'll restore unto you the years, the palm worm and the canker worm. You may have spent the last four or five years of your teenage life completely abandoning the things of God. But if you'll make up your mind tonight that you're going to become a person of the Spirit, it won't be too far in the future where you're going to have some spiritual muscle memory. You're going to have a new appetite. The Bible said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. So the question is, of how much of God do you have tonight is a direct result of the level of your appetite. How hungry have you been? How thirsty have you been for God? Because the promise of Scripture is that He will fill you if you're hungry. He will fill you if you're thirsty. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.